Yeah, it's been an up and down week for Ohio State recruiting. We'll also talk about Gene Smith's confidence in the head man of the Buckeye basketball program. And let's all laugh at the Pac-12 or 10 or some number of Pacific Coast schools, won't we? Yes, let's. Welcome back to the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance joining you alongside Johnny Getter. Johnny, we have spent an inordinate amount of time relative to, I think, my personal excitement for recruiting uh, this summer, this offseason on the state of Ohio State recruiting, mostly because for the better part of said offseason, Ohio State was kicking ass and taking names on the recruiting trail. This past week, the tide, and I use that word intentionally, has turned somewhat as uh, one and probably two high-profile commitments from the class of 23 said, adios and via condios, they're going to take their talents elsewhere. The first one up for grabs uh, uh, was, I think, one maybe that had been rumored a little bit, four-star cornerback to John Johnson, decommitting from Ohio State after having visited Florida. Uh, also some discussion about uh, tied in Ty Lockwood, potentially decommitting based on some interesting social media stuff, changing his Twitter profile to remove mention of the Buckeyes uh, Monday afternoon. What's going on all of a sudden, my friend? Is this just the fulfillment of an ask us anything question from a week <laughs> or two ago? Or, yeah. or is something rotten in Denmark? Uh, Ryan Day is bad and should be fired. That's what That's what's going on. He doesn't know how to recruit. And Ohio State has possibly the third ranked recruiting class in the country instead of the second rank. So I think that he should be fired out of a cannon into the sun and die for this horrific, uh, you know, loss of both talent and composure. I, I don't know, man. It, you know, we talked about this, right? Like you just said, that's one of the cons of the approach to get these guys to commit early is that you give them more time to reconsider their decision and you know ultimately these guys can reconsider their decisions whenever but yeah you do give other teams more time to recruit them after they've already committed which of course all teams still do and that's how it you know looks like it kind of worked out here and that it stinks it's bad but it's not first of all it's not going to make or break the class second of all uh, it's not unexpected, I don't think, particularly with Florida kids. You know, a lot of times they they want to, you know, stay home or they want to go someplace else. And, and maybe they test the waters a little bit with a place like Ohio State. And maybe they decide that that's not their thing. And that's OK. That's totally within their right to do. But it does not surprise me. And I don't think it means that the class is all of a sudden going to fall apart or anything like that. I think that's silly. I think they'll be fine. Day was asked about this during his visit with the media this week. Uh, and, and, you know, let's, let's kind of quantify it. I mentioned the uh, one high profile decommitment and the other that may have happened by the time uh, the, this airs Ohio state lost some of its top defensive targets, not committed yet, but they were looking at Caleb Downs, Troy Bowles, Tackett Curtis, John Walker, uh, mm -hmm. all, all folks who decided to go elsewhere instead of Ohio state. And, you know, the question was whether or not, this is something simply explained recruits wanting to see whether or not Jim Knowles new defensive scheme is something they want to be a part of before committing, you know, day didn't discount the question about on-field results. You know, the Ohio state's defense was pretty terrible last year. He talked about you know, when you change a de defense, this dramatically people may want to see what it's going to look like that said, uh, and day talked about this and I agree with him. 
I don't think it's any mystery what Jim Nowell's defense is going to look like. I mean, there's he's got plenty of track record. So if you're a defensive commit or a defensive prospect, I mean, I think there's a pretty long rap sheet on Nowell's as well as Perry Eliano and Tim Walton. Larry Johnson obviously is, is the greatest of all time. Is it, you know, you you highlighted the Florida kid thing. Alabama comes knocking. I think if Nick Stamen comes knocking, a kid's going to pay attention regardless. Mm-hmm. Would you be if you're if you're a defensive prospect looking at Jim Knowles? What kind of questions would you have for a first year defensive coordinator at a program like Ohio State? I don't know. Probably nothing. I I'll be honest. I think that's a little overblown about like scheme and things like that. I I believe that if you're a top flight defensive prospect in high school you you're i mean obviously you're going to be picking you know your coaches and that that relationship with your coaches is a big deal i don't think that scheme specifically is something that you're really worried about as much as you might you know as you might worry about like do i get along with this guy do i like the other players that are committed that kind of stuff that to me is probably a little bit lower on the decision making list or at least the factors that go into making the decision uh, than a lot of other things. So I, I don't know. I understand people are like, well, you know, Ohio state hasn't had a very good defense and maybe you don't have a whole lot of confidence there. I, I just don't, I don't see that. I, I don't, I, especially if you're like a five-star or four-star, a lot of these guys are going to schools where they're like, you know, good. I hope I can turn this thing around. I hope that I can be the star and, and end up, you know, getting drafted in the first round because I was the leader of this revamped, you know, new defense. So I don't know that that's a huge part of it. Um, it could just be a weird cycle. It could be that Jim Knowles is not, you know, as great a, recruiter as you would hope i don't know i, I we're, we'll probably have to have a few more cycles to really figure out uh what the deal is um and especially you know him coming in at the time when he did you don't really get a full picture um because uh, i think i think for me a lot of these relationships are formed during the football season like during the high school football season you know because mm-hmm. what they do is they you know on their off weeks or when they get a chance they they go talk to coaches they're there when they can, you know, they go into this, the schools and whatnot. Um, I just think that he hasn't had the opportunity to really form those relationships quite yet. And, you know, not being from Ohio, not being in the state, I think that that sets you back a little bit. You need word, you need good word of mouth. And I just don't know that he's gotten that yet as a recruiter. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I don't think scheme really factors too much into it. Yeah, I totally agree on that. And, 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 you know, furthermore, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. If you're a four or five star guy, uh, you've got to be salivating to go yeah. into Ohio state's situation right now, because you can walk in immediately and, and have a very real impact because there's nowhere to go, but up from last year's abysmal defensive showing, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about that very early in the off season, you know, for this to be a championship caliber team, they only have to suck 30% less than they did last year. You right. know? It's like, it's not, they don't have to be a top. I think Ryan day said something about wanting to be a top 10 defense. I, I don't think they have to be a top 10 defense to be a championship no. caliber ball club as good as Ohio state's offense. Is. They can be a top, they can be a top 25 or top 45. They, that would be, that would be enough. That would yeah. be enough for what they want to be. Yep, totally agree. So I, I'm with you that the scheme thing is is overblown. Uh, I, I think a lot of this is what we talked about. I mentioned the, the ask us anything question that was a little prescient on this point. Uh, we talked about it then. 
teens are going to change their mind about stuff They're, yeah. you know, as long as this recruiting cycle, you know, is, and the number of, of relatively early commitments you have uh, on that score, Ohio state got its first 2025 commitment this week and uh, Georgia cornerback, John Tate Gilbert. So when you're looking at a recruiting cycle that can be that long, you're going to have kids decommit and go somewhere mm-hmm. else. You're going to have kids, you know, who play the recruiting game and take every visit and then some and flirt and do the social media thing and so on. So yeah, uh, Urban Meyer used to say it, a verbal commitment just means you're in their top three. And I think that will continue to be the case. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that doesn't mean that Ryan Day can't recruit or that they're in a horrible position or any of this other stuff or Jim Knowles can't recruit. It just means that that's kind of how the game works. And, you know, Ohio State's still going to have a great recruiting class. They're still going to bring in some really fantastic prospects. This just wasn't the best week for the team. So, yep, that's right. You, you want to have, you want to have more, um, you know, month like you had when you were getting three straight wide receivers or three straight right. cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Then you do weeks where you miss out on three or four defensive targets and right. have a decommitment. But, but in this what, era of college football, I mean, you're going to have both. I mean, that's just that's, that's just that's the right. long and short of it. Uh, let's uh, talk about, as I mentioned, of course, um, the 2025 class getting its first with John Tate Gilbert. Ohio State also got four-star quarterback Brock Glenn committed this week. Uh, it will be the quarterback for the 23 recruiting class. Buckeyes had offered two quarterbacks this summer. And so there, there was a little bit of good news, but amid all the bad, let's shift from the pigskin gridiron uh, conversation to one about shooty hoops, round ball, Gene Smith. Uh, we don't call it a vote of confidence, but he said there is a bright future ahead for Ohio state basketball saying that Chris Holtman is doing outstanding work. Would you call it outstanding work? Is Gene Smith being, uh, as, as honest with himself as the results would indicate i don't know what's the metric (laughs) what's the standard what are you what are you trying to what 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 qualifies as outstanding you know what i mean like what what's the what are the levels here what are the potential options you got like poor fair middle i don't know (laughs) if outstanding is the highest on a scale like, of one to 10 with 10 being John Wooden and one being uh, yeah. you and I coaching a middle school basketball team. How <laughs> is Chris Holtman doing so oh, far God. at Ohio state? <laughs> that would be very bad. Uh, me coaching a middle school basketball team would be probably a pretty funny thing to watch as an outside observer. Not so much fun for me or the kids on the team, but something that would be entertaining, but that's what I'm saying though. Like, okay. Is outstanding. The middle level is, wonderful you know unbelievable are these are these higher metrics that you can put because i don't you know in my opinion outstanding is about as good as it gets and um i don't think that chris holman's been about as good as it gets you know i i I just don't i mean he has run a program that i think is attractive to a guy like gene smith in the sense that okay not a lot of drama you know, they're not winning a ton, but they're winning enough. I think for that, for the purposes of Ohio State, that's, that's, I guess, quote unquote, outstanding for the standards of fans, including myself, I would not use that particular adjective. I would say maybe middling to fine. Uh, 
You, you and, have a higher standard than not a total dumpster fire. In other words, yeah. your, your expectations are slightly higher than, than uh, that. And you know what? And I think Gene Smith probably has higher standards too. I, I think he understands that. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't really understand what the impetus is there to, to, to gas Holtman up at this point, because it's pretty clear that he's got to deliver here. And I, you know, I don't think we've talked about this before. I don't think that Ohio state will pull the plug on this guy next no. season, unless there's a complete collapse. I would just because I don't think he's going to get demonstrably better um, over the next, you know, if you don't see it next year, if you don't see some like significant improvement in the team on a you know consistent basis, I don't think that's going to happen the season after that. Um, but Again, for Gene Smith's purposes, I think what Chris Holtman's doing, I guess maybe could be defined as quote unquote outstanding. But for me, it's it's not. Yeah. And this is one of those times where, you know, you start digging into the details and Smith and his comments said, you know, when you look at the culture we have. So right. if you start talking about culture, that's kind of back to what you're saying with no drama. You know, we're, we're, we're not having to uh, go and get kids out of the drunk tank. Uh, their, their, their mind and their P's and Q's keeping their noses clean. He goes mm -hmm. on to say, we recruit and we got the number one class in the big 10 this year. Hey, you know what? Props to Holtman. That's good. Top yeah. five nationally. Definitely good. You meet the young men. Like I have this summer, watch them work out. They're exceptionally talented. Smith said, so the future's bright and you have good leadership returning from last year. And this team has a chance to be special for the long run. The long run, I think, in this question means not this season. That right. to me, that phrase, he says, this team has a chance to be special for the long run. You couple that with a three-year extension and salary bump that Holtman got in May. It, yeah, it's pretty clear. Gene Smith isn't cutting bait on this guy anytime soon. And I, and no. I think there's something to be said for Holtman's a super likable guy. He's running a clean program. You know, you, you like you like what you see from the guy. You just want that to transfer into winning titles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, ex that's exactly it. Right. Like, and for fans, that's frustrating because why, why haven't you succeeded more in the big 10 and the NCAA tournament? And as I said, Gene Smith is operating on a different kind of metric here who, you know, he is okay on investing, you know, another two or three seasons in this guy to see if he can accomplish something bigger. And I don't know, man, like part of me thinks that Ohio state is content with NCAA bursts every year and, and that's fine. And they don't really have that same, you know, desire to, to see a team that can compete for a national title title year in and year out. And maybe they don't believe that's feasible or maybe that's where they, maybe they don't feel like they want to allocate resources in that direction. I don't know, but I just, I'm frustrated because when you're a fan and you get that little taste of that kind of success and Thad Mata gave us that and not just, you know, when they made that national championship run, but the fact that they were so competitive in the NCAA tournament over the course of like, you know, that six, seven year period, uh, you want to maintain that. I don't know if that's realistic or not. I don't know if, if, you know, unless you're like a true, true blue blood. And even if you are, if that's something that you're able to do consistently. Um, but all I know is that, you know, you look up North and you see Michigan, which does not have amazing recruiting classes all the time and does have coaching turnover and things like that. And yet still, is able to make deep runs into March Madness that you're like, okay, that's you as, as an institution, you hold yourself 
you know, that's that's the standard to which you hold yourself against, right? Is is Michigan and how they do in various things. So you got to at least try to match that. Um, and I don't feel that Holtman is doing that right now. Yeah, that's uh, I, I think one of the things that will really bear watching this season is if Gene Smith looks at this as hey, this recruiting class is coming in, so on the the table is set for things to get special long term. What you need to see this year, if it's not if it's not actual titles, is will this team be in position to accomplish any of those goals in the next two or three years? I don't think this is one of those where you can say, well, five years from now, this program is really because if it takes that long, you know, something's horribly wrong. And yeah. and I don't think any of us really expect this season to be that to be special. But, you know, if it's a total dumpster fire um that's gonna i think occasion some really tough conversations around the campfire at least given the pressure of of public opinion gonna be kind of interesting uh to see ohio state opening its exhibition games in the bahamas um there's also um some discussion about the was it the maui invitational this week so basketball's coming closer it's it's uh, you know moving ever toward us the um two buckeyes who will not be playing for those exhibition games in the Bahamas be just as suing and Seth towns, both still somewhat limited in practice. <laughs> uh, what year they, is it? As, as me. they have been for that's me, like that's Robin Williams. It's me as Robin Williams and Jumanji, like popping out of the jungle. But what a year is it? Yes. Yes. Those two veteran forwards who veterans uh, at getting injured and long-term injuries over the past two years which you know i don't think is like their fault or anything like that oh not at all and you're like i mean you're not ragging on them them. it just it just blows it just really blows and and you know i guess you could say depending on your stance this is either a check in uh holtman's favor or a mark against him other programs would have processed these guys by now yeah you know the fact that they're both still on the roster speaks well of him if you're a guy who's like hey i respect that he's a stand-up guy taking care of his men mm-hmm. keeping a spot for him on the roster and the you know faint hope that they might get to play again at some point right before and that's and, I, and that's a fair point before I, they're I through med school that. or something but but you know it's it, the question of the competitiveness that's two spots on a roster that you know is basically yielding no return on investment right now so right. that that's a frustration that's where i think you're going to see fans you know, again, ask those kind of questions about, okay, what is the long-term goal here? Mm-hmm. Is it to win titles or is it just to run a program full of very nice people? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think if you ask your average fan, they'd be like, Hmm, oh, it's a real head scratcher. Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me sit and think about that one for a second. Uh, while, while, you know, Ohio state loses in the first round of the NCAA tournament again. Now, interesting thing that uh, happened related to basketball this week, CJ Stroud during his visit with members of the media, the big 10 media days said he recently beat Jackson Smith and Jigba in horse. Uh, <laughs> a game I'm sure we've all played and loved at some time, beat him nine <laughs> straight times. That's really uh, funny. So JSN, Hey, you need to step it up there. Stroud said he's the best shooter on the team, although Dewan Jones is the most complete basketball player. I think we all know that's that. also funny. Yeah, I, I, he was. I mean, he was, a and it's also guy. probably accurate too. Given, yeah, I mean, yeah. Dewan was a legit basketball player yeah. despite his enormous size. He could actually he can ball out a little bit. Now the the money the money quote here 
Stroud said he thinks a group of football players could beat the Ohio State basketball team. Now, yeah, that's dumb and wrong. Gonna talk about a, gonna talk about a, a vote of confidence in your your basketball team. Your your starting quarterback says, "Yeah, we got this." Now, yeah. you said that's dumb and wrong. You you immediately this this yeah, I'm you sorry. responded to this. You responded to this. I, I liked when this came up in Slack because you responded to this the way that we normally respond to the annual questions of. You know, could Alabama beat the Browns? Could Alabama right. beat whoever the worst team in the NFL is? Yeah. Could, could Bama beat them? The answer is always no, emphatically. Yeah. And it's and- funny, too, because, like, you'll watch, you know, you'll watch guys who are really good at basketball. You know, they, they, they play pickup, and they're really good at it. And you can tell these are athletes who know how to shoot a little bit, and they got handles a little bit. And you're like, oh, okay. And then I don't know if anyone's ever gotten the pleasure to watch maybe, a, a, a you know, an actual D1 player you know, to show up at one of those things. I have, I've seen this where actual D1 players show up on a pickup game and it's, it's like, they're playing a different sport. It, it really, they see things differently. They know how to do things differently. It's, it's not about whether or not you're athletic or you can shoot a little bit. It's about whether you can play the game of basketball and like any sport, you know, especially in this modern era where, you know, it, it's a sports, a full-time job now. Uh, you are going to see people who have maximized their absolute potential with uh, a particular athletic activity and basketball is no different. And it's, it's, it's a lot more cerebral than people give it credit for. And you can definitely tell when you got a guy with like D one talent and a D one basketball brain against a guy with maybe D one athleticism, but hasn't, hasn't been that guy hasn't, hasn't really played that sport to that level. Um, It's, it's like night and day. So Again, not not hating on Ohio State's basketball or Ohio State football's, you know, athletic ability or their ability to shoot the ball a little bit, but they're not they're not basketball players. Uh, I, I and, appreciate that you took the like principled, logical response to this because I think this is one of those after we've just talked about all of our frustrations with the basketball program. I think this is one of those times where you could have just said. Heck yeah, you know, and, and really just oh yeah, them, yeah, you know, they like, would annihilate yeah, yeah, them. CJ Stroud, right. JSN, Dewan Jones. Who, like, who can you... Matt? Who can post up with Dewan in the paint? Nobody, nobody. nobody. The team. They see, would get you, annihilated. You're gonna see Zed. You're gonna see Zed and Dewan nose yeah, to actually, nose. Actually, actually, I would pay a very unreasonable amount of money. <laughs> yes. to see that happen. That would be really probably my my favorite moment of of the year. If that if I could see that in real life is is dewan versus zed in the paint that would i would probably no matter how it turns out zed dominating dewan dominating i would enjoy it thoroughly no matter how that plays out yeah it kind of bugs me that this didn't come up like in spring ball or something because then (laughs) you you think hey this is a this is an nil charity type deal well just like spring ball would be amazing the problem is in spring ball is that you're coming off like a disappointing end of the season you you can't kick you know what i'm saying like you if you're cj stroud cj stroud strikes me as a pretty smart dude i don't think he's gonna go like oh yeah those guys suck we're way better than that (laughs) we'll settle it on the court now you the only time you can make a statement like this is before fall camp when no one assumes you have anything to do and then before the the basketball team actually starts playing because now there's not there's no there's no stakes you you can't you know what i mean like if it was in the middle of the season and the basketball team just was on a three-game losing streak and then cj stroud was like yeah they're bad 
we're good. Let's go. <laughs> that might cause a bit of a stink or vice versa. If, uh, you know, Ohio state football is not performing up to their capabilities. And then the men's basketball team is, is doing well. And CJ Stroud just slows down like, no, 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 no guys. They're actually not very good. We are good. Then he looks like an idiot. So the only really good time for him to make that statement is, is really just right now. So mm-hmm. I commend him for doing it. And, and you know, hopefully making some of the basketball team players a little salty. That would be funny to me. So good yeah, for him. I love it. It's, it. It was a fun bit of, it was a fun bit of levity in the middle of a long week. So good, good, good on you, CJ and yeah. Ed Key and the other members of both programs that uh, had a little fun with it on social media. That's, that's what social media is for really is good, good lighthearted jaw. And like that between members of the same large, it should be illegal to do anything else. Yeah, you got it. All right. Let's uh, turn our attention to the best, uh, the best 20 minutes in podcasting ask us anything our mutually uh, agreed favorite portion of the program easily ask us anything like the dubcast in its entirety is brought to you by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com hats t-shirts stickers all things for the discerning fan of the local program uh and and by the way the very popular Catholics versus draft picks t-shirt back in stock. Uh, the other favorites that I, I have in this newest lineup, uh, the run the damn ball t-shirt and throw the damn ball t-shirts, two of my favorites, because low these many years later, I still wake up in a cold sweat some nights screaming at urban Meyer to just give Har- Carlos the ball. Uh, I just, <laughs> it, it, I will forever. So, so that t-shirt is soon to be added to my collection. Uh, you can find all of those new arrivals and, and anything else that your little heart desires at drygoods.11warriors.com. Johnny, what do we find in the mailbag this week? All right. So we remind you that if you want to send us questions to ask us literally anything, uh, you can send them to dubcast, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. And this one, uh, I'm pretty sure we didn't answer. I think this is a new one. I This is from uh, John who says, I know it's a running joke that Ohio State doesn't throw to our tight ends, uh, but honestly, how many college teams actually do throw their tight ends regularly each year except for Iowa? So are we unfairly giving Ohio State the business for not throwing to their tight ends? Because does anybody? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, Iowa is a good example. Certainly, you know, you think about that, uh, you think about those big, like bruiser type programs, right? So you think about, but, but really there, you think about those big bruiser programs as being programs that use their tight ends the same way Ohio state does as, as essentially additional, you know, line blocking tight end down, well, down you know lineman what? kind of deal. One team that does, I think fairly consistently is Notre Dame. I feel like they, they do a pretty good job at utilizing their tight ends. Georgia did uh, last season fairly well. Um, I, I think the precedent is there for some of the major teams that do it, but it's, I don't know. I think that's a fairly good point. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, Georgia is a good one. Um, they're, they're, they're tight. There was a, in fact, there was a piece that the athletic actually just probably two weeks ago, um, specifically about how Georgia uses its tight ends. Um, and, and that it's a bit different from what anybody else in the Mm -hmm. NCAA is doing. That was an interesting read. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is probably one of those things that it's, it's kind of like, I remember when Ohio state was going to use the diamond formation. (laughs) Sure. I swear to God, that was like the most hyped thing for like two off seasons. Yeah. It never happened. Right. (laughs) It was never going to happen. No, (laughs) but that's all anybody seemed to want to talk about for like two off seasons in a row throwing to the tight end. I mean, it's a meme at this point, right? That's, 
that to me is what 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 it is. is but I think sometimes you look at these teams. I mean, you'll see Wisconsin with a really great tight end, right? And they'll be like, okay, well, we're gonna th- we're gonna throw to them all the time. But it it seems to be so, you know, personnel based. It's not really scheme based. And so I think it would be cool for Ohio State to have a tight end, like a next level tight tight end that they do throw to consistently. I don't think you would change your whole scheme for it. Uh, but I don't know. That's you know what, John, that's that's a that is a legit question and a good point as well, I think, um, because not many do. But I, I, I it's always fun and it always feels threatening when you see a team or play a team that does because you don't necessarily see it that often. It's hard. You don't know how your defense is going to game plan for that or adjust for that. Like, oh, great. We're going to put a linebacker on a guy who's like six foot five. Like, that's cool. You know, like that's so the matchup potential is really, I think what people want to see, even if the reality is, is that that guy might get, you know, realistically, even in in an offense that utilizes their talents, like four catches a game max. Um, But still, you know, it's a weapon. Uh, Next one here. This is from Ken. And so (laughs) heard the segment concerning the turnover chain. And Johnny said, not that we want a bunch of stuff that's been workshopped. So I thought I would ask, tell me your take on the who day versus who dat um so and he provides some background here for people who don't know during the 1980 season Bengals fans were the first group in the nfl i feel like this is a partisan uh tidbit but anyway we're the first group in the nfl to chant who day who day who they think going to be the Bengals. three years later in 1983 the saints chanted who dat who dat say they're going to beat them saints it was originally based on entertainment skits that were later picked up in the 60s by schools in new orleans and eventually the saints his take is how lame can the NFL be exactly and just how cheap and bagel fans uh, just three years later. Another site claims that it all started in New Orleans high school more than a decade earlier. If that's true, that too makes it insulting to the Bengals fan. Either way, how lame. How do you feel about this, this, uh, this uh, epic matchup between who day and who dat? I, I would say that I, you know, having grown up, within you know half hour or not half hour but an hour's drive of of riverfront stadium yeah. uh that I'm, I'm sort of like predisposed to siding with the bungles on this uh, i mean i certainly remember that being in usage heavily i think we had like you know soda pop cans that had who day on it during yeah. the super bowl run and like it was a thing that said i really wasn't paying any attention to new orleans at that time in my right. life so they may have well been doing it for a decade before that. And I wouldn't have known, which, you know, is kind of an interesting thing, more philosophical, uh, more philosophically. We were talking about a couple of weeks ago with uh, the Big Ten adding a pair of Los Angeles schools to the program that football, specifically college football, but football in general used to be a way for us to like express our, our regionality in a bit, right? You were, it was a very regional sport. The, that's sure. why your conferences um, in the NCAA, of course, all, they were all regional affairs and there are some very real logistical reasons for that. But even within the NFL, think, you know, you were, you were thinking about the teams in the AFC North or whatever it was then uh, you were thinking about Pittsburgh and Cleveland and, mm-hmm. and, and you weren't necessarily thinking about, uh, New Orleans that much I wasn't paying that much attention to them it, everything is national now sports wise right you can be you can be anywhere in the country and be a fan of any team in the country and feel like you are local just because of the depth of information available to you so you can see what goofy quirky workshop traditional things 
some other programs and be like, Hey, they ripped that off. It also makes it much easier to rip off stuff from others. Back then, if somebody's like, you know, Cincinnati does this thing, we could probably take that and shake it up a little bit and use it. The people in Cincinnati weren't going to know. Like it was not yeah. going to be that big a deal. Now with social media, I mean, the second that you do something, 20% of Twitter exists just to dunk on you for doing whatever it was you did. Right. You know, so right. you I, I think get away with it. you can't get away with stuff like that anymore. So I don't know the right answer to the question. I just know in the 1980s, nobody cared. Right. But now it's kind of our biological imperative driven by social media to care about stuff like that and be pissed off about it. Well, you know what? And, and honestly, like, I don't, here's why my take on this is that I do not think that Cincinnati started who day and all that. I, I I'm sure that came from somewhere else because that's not how people down there talk. Um, that's not, that's not in the normal lexicon unless you're speaking specifically about the Bengals. However, it is a thing that Bengals fans genuinely do. And it's, it's not like, okay, well, we just slapped on a couple shirts and then said that we owned it. Like that's something that Bengals fans really do say and really you know take as part of their team and have for a long time so i think it's authentic as anything else i do think that it's probably you know like uh what was that uh you know uh seven nation army kind of thing right where you know ohio state took it from penn state but penn state took it from some you know football squad and or soccer squad in eastern europe you know what i mean where it it, it probably didn't originate anywhere where people think it actually did but it permeated and then other people picked it up which is fine i mean that's how culture works sometimes and it's not there's nothing anything wrong with that um i will say though that i think that you know like the the dialect in, in new orleans supports the way that they use who dat and all that like you know the yat and all that stuff that's 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 an authentic thing to new orleans whereas with cincinnati like you got to get the nasal a and i don't know that who day really uh really factors into that quite a bit so um it feels a little more authentic in new orleans but i think both uh both places can legitimately claim uh you know rights to it i guess and continue using it without getting too upset now an exception to this this kind of thing would be when north carolina claims that they are first in flight or whatever bs yeah which that's that's, that's that doesn't that doesn't count that's not true and they're wrong and it's it's ohio so sorry that's that's something i will that's a hill i will die on thanks thanks for the win north carolina that's right it's like it's like basically the canvas taking credit for the mona lisa Okay, yeah. like cool. That's that's where it was painted. You did literally nothing. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one here. This is from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know: You are interviewing for your dream job. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they ask you for your greatest weakness. What do you say while maintaining a strong candidacy? That's one of those questions I always think is super. Like it's, it's a trick question, right? Like there's oh, yeah, no what your good, greatest weakness is. Yes. There is no you know good what? answer to that question. And I've, and, and I've had that question numerous times in interviews where, you know, I've interviewed and they be like, you know, what, what's, what's your greatest weakness. And I know like the approach that some people say is like, well, you know, talk about something that you want to improve upon. I say the hell with that. Do the stock answer. where like, I work too hard. I care yes. too much because right. honestly, that's what they want to hear that's what they're looking for yeah. that's what they're looking for if you give them if and i i mean this with anybody 
you're interviewing with if you give them even a little bit of like well you know i sometimes i have trouble with punctuality they will seize on that and that'll be all they think about so you just you just you know sometimes i work too hard i'm just too independent sometimes and uh you know you know i just i just take initiative <laughs> like you you always got to turn it back around into something good and you know what like part of me feels a little bit about that but also part of me does not because that's a that's a bs question I I'm also sorry. think that in this day and age, that may not be a BS answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, think about, I, I just look at our relationship with work in general and how it has changed in, in, in the time you and I have been adults in the workforce, mm -hmm. you know, the, the amount of time. And of course, working remotely has changed this even more. Yeah. And I, I've been a home-based worker for 10 plus years now 12 12 years you may as well say so i was doing it before everyone was doing it um and and i very intentionally put some guardrails on my day you know little things like the laptop does not go in the living room right, you know, it right stays yeah. in my office yeah because of course, yeah. If, if i take it in the living room now now the other side of that is well the laptop doesn't go in the living room but my cell phone does <laughs> right so you know that's not to say that i'm no and that in and of itself think about you know the cell phones you and i were carrying 20 years ago when we entered the workforce versus what we're carrying now the advent of the smartphone has has i think sunk works hooks into us even further oh yeah absolutely. this isn't true for every job and profession certainly um but i but i envy people who can who can you know punch out so to speak at the end of the day and leave work at the office because way mm -hmm. too many of us can't right uh, or 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 we're not a good enough we're not we don't do a good enough job of setting the boundaries and expectations that allow us mm -hmm. to, to do that but it, it follow i call my smartphone my digital leash right it's just yeah it's always there so i do think that makes your your answer that would have been a bs answer to a bs question not bs because most of us probably do work too much um and that's the nature of business these days unfortunately but, well that's but th but that's what i'm saying though and and the thing is though and and to your point is that it is the nature of business but that's what a lot of employers expect sometimes now you i'm lucky that i you know i work for an employer that does not expect that and i you know i have i have very good you know people in charge of, of where i'm at and, and are respectful and, and understanding of that on the other hand i have definitely worked in places where they were not Yep. And I think I agree with you. I think in the last, in part because of COVID and things like that, uh, and but really in the last ten years, it's become harder and harder to find work environments where that's actually the case, mm -hmm. um, because it really is, you know, they're so demanding on certain things, and you are expected to be, you know, hooked at your, you know, hooked into your your job at all times, mm -hmm. and so like. You know, when when someone asks you for your greatest weakness, I mean, I don't know. It feels like so much of hiring is so, I don't know what perfunctory, I guess, might be the word where it's just like you've already kind of made your decision based on an algorithm. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. And, and so if you're going to bring me in to ask me questions about who I am and if you think I'm going to be good, please give me more detailed or thoughtful questions than what is your greatest weakness? You know what I mean? 
like and, and, you know there's a school of thought i find and you can and ask I'm, that I'm, question well real quick you can ask that question in a way that actually makes somebody think and reveal something about them that might help you make an educated decision about whether or not you want to hire them or not right like mm-hmm. you might ask them about a project they worked on that they struggled with or you might ask them about like an interpersonal thing that they had to solve like at, instead of just saying what is your greatest week like i'm not good at cutting tomatoes they, you know, <laughs> they get all, like you know what i mean like that's not that shows me that you're not super serious about me as a candidate mm-hmm. yeah. anyway sorry i didn't mean to, to go on a big rant no but um i you know i with the way work is you want employers to take it as seriously as employees have to i guess yeah. that's what i'm saying yep yep good stuff good questions yeah, so, this week yeah that's an excellent question excellent questions overall this week i appreciate everyone sending those in and keep sending them in for ask us anything because we love it yeah, we're a month out from the foot hitting the ball. So just a couple of weeks left of off-season content, my friends. Uh, that means you need to get your questions in uh, soon, soon, because the questions, uh, you know, while, while can still be about uh, anything once the season starts, you may have football-related Ask Us Anything questions to ask. So yeah. get, uh, get those things you've been, you've been pondering all summer into us now. All right, let's wrap this thing up, put the horse back in the barn um, with a bit of a chuckle at the Pac-12. Commissioner George Klyavkov uh, said he was very disappointed in USC and UCLA for joining the Big Ten, Uh, but he had some laughers in his various meetings with the media this week. Uh, He said, one, that he expects the 10 remaining teams to stay in the conference. (laughs) Snort, chuckle, chuckle, snort, snort, chuckle. Uh, He said that USC and UCLA are, are losing recruits to uh because they've joined the big 10 uh chuckle chuckle snort snort i'll take things that never happened for a thousand uh batman and then and then finally um you know also uh, you know the ongoing discussion i said that uh the usc and ucla have made short-term financial decisions that they're already regretting again I'll take things that never happened for a thousand there, George. Uh, I think if he had his <laughs> Pinocchio, I think Pinocchio's nose couldn't possibly be any longer. Am, am I being a rose glass wearing Homer when I say that, or is George suddenly one of the bigger liars on television this week? Uh, well, I don't know. He's necessarily a liar. I do think that he, uh, delusional, some, maybe delusional or that? trying to save face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like trying to, make himself feel a little bit better about it all that kind of stuff um but yeah i yeah that's that's pretty silly i I don't know that many people will take that seriously i i certainly didn't take it seriously because i don't think any of those things had even a ring of truth to them yeah right right. let's let's start i mean let's take it one by one he he rolled out this this kind of comment that about recruits like what recruit is suddenly going to be disinterested in USC or UCLA because they're playing the likes of Ohio state and Penn state and Michigan. Yeah. Instead of like Washington state, like, Oh, I, I love, I love the idea of a matchup with the Cougars, but you tell me I have to play the Boilermakers now. No, thanks. Um, yeah. Because I mean, I, I get that people, you know, maybe they're thinking, Oh gosh, how many times a year am I going to get to see my kid play? But if you're playing for USC, how many times were you going to get to see your kid play anyway? Right. Because USC is far away from a lot of Pac-12 schools as it is. California is a pretty large state. I mean, just playing Stanford's probably, you know, a a short plane ride, uh, if not a 12-hour drive. I don't know if it's actually 12, but it's probably eight or nine hours to get from. Well, let's, we can do the Google Maps on that. So I, I don't think there was any whiff of truth in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you know the whole discussion we expect all 10 teams to stay well, that's well the rest of the fair, question so. i would say is for how long yeah <laughs> i guess that's true in a sense that like you know it is in the immediate future yes that's you're correct you got it yep and you know any more than a few days out of that i don't know that you can really say that with any kind of certainty so um yeah i don't know like i said to me that just feels like a, a very transparent attempt to uh you know to say that the grapes were always sour and that you know it, it doesn't matter he doesn't want them anyway and, and i was i was i was being apparently a little uh I overestimated how far away USC or UCLA were from, from at least Stanford or the other schools in the pack. Uh, Westwood to Palo Alto is six hours and eight minutes based. On that's still, traffic, that's still a so. chunk of change. That's not, you know, yeah, it's somewhere on the block. And then, and then, you know, even farther to, let's say Eugene, uh, you know, Westwood to Eugene is, uh, you know, that's a flight. That's a, that's a 14 hour drive. So, yeah. you know, it's not like, all of these schools were clustered within five hours of one another. So I don't buy the right. recruiting thing. Um, any, do you expect that there will be any more movement on this, either the PAC 12 uh, imploding or the big 10 getting more like the big 20 before yeah. the season actually gets underway? No, I'm, I think, I think they're probably pretty much, I think they've, they've spent themselves, uh, before the beginning of the season. I think there's going to be any more moves. It's going to be after the end of the season, but you know what? I'm dumb and uh, could be completely wrong. And, and who knows, maybe, you know, tomorrow we find out that Notre Dame's going to the big 10. I mean, certainly the, you know, the announcement of UCLA and USC came out of freaking nowhere. So yeah. who knows, who knows, but I, I, my, my inclination would be to say that, um, that they would wait till the end of the season. At least. That was definitely not on our off-season editorial calendar. I I can confirm that. That was not. Yeah. No, that was no. not one that we had. Uh, we had Correct. any plans of covering uh, until it happened. So, yeah, fun times. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode, friends. Remember, send us those ask us anything questions and be prepared. One month, one month. The time is almost come. Until next week, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks as always for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.